I'm Elliot Reeves, this is Alan Nash, and you're watching The Elliot Reeves Show. Alan, it's brilliant to have you here, my friend. Well, I really appreciate the invite. Um, <laughs> kind pleasure. of out of the blue and um, <laughs> didn't see anything like this coming, and uh, thanks for taking the time. I'm really delighted to be here, and what a great setup you've got. Thank you so much. Thank really you so impressive. much. We've been talking about this beforehand. It's amazing how much you don't see when you're watching it through, you know, it's like the lens of the camera doesn't tell all the, the story. I think that's probably why behind the scenes sort of footage of things are so popular. When yeah. you actually see what goes into a production, what you've just told me about what you've got to do to produce a inspired Edinburgh show, I mean, it's impressive and the commitment there is, um, yeah, it, it's just <laughs> outstanding the, the, the effort that you will go to to produce your quality show. Um, even in here, you, you've got more kit than I've seen in bigger studios you <laughs> yeah. know but yeah. you put out a good product and then obviously you know what it takes yeah yeah well again that comes through uh, uh, a long time and, and a lot of practice but i really appreciate you saying that so yeah thank you no i thank mean you. It, it's it's but you can see it from the, the guests you've had and the, the way the profile's grown i mean i've watched it watched the videos the the way you must edit the time it takes i can see your setup over there hmm. um the, the the product is so crucial to what you're putting out and that's what obviously as i'm now in the podcasting world i know that if i want to improve and, and build what i'm giving or the 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 podcast that, that i put has got to be of good quality or guests won't want to come on people won't be interested they won't listen whether it's sound quality snippets for social media whatever yeah. we do it's got to be the best of our ability yeah 100 percent I think the way that I've, that's kind of how I've always looked at it is ultimately your content is very much a reflection of yourself or, you know, it certainly it speaks about, you know, what, what you're like as a person. Um, and I kind of pride myself in some respects um, to be quite perfectionistic mm -hmm. uh, and certainly putting out the content, I'm very aware of that. I think that sometimes gets in the way, actually, of putting stuff out. I think sometimes I'm kind of cautious or... Um, if I'm not certain about the intention of the thing that I'm creating, I usually won't publish stuff. I'm certainly a bit more rough and ready. <laughs> That's good, though. And what That's I'd say, good. obviously, I think it was episode 18, you were on my, my podcast. Yeah. And, um, you met Keith, my producer. He mm -hmm. owns the studio, so I, I don't have this... Um, this setup certainly i go to keith's studio and he's got it all set up for me yeah so i organize the guest and that certainly can be time consuming the mm -hmm. commitment and time you've got to do to maybe getting rejections to maybe getting a quick yes and you've then got to book it in around everything else that goes on in life yeah but here are you doing absolutely everything yourself mm -hmm. whereas i bring people in we have the conversations i do my research prior then keith will do the editing for anything needing tweaked or, or, or sorted or like i was saying before recently recorded in a restaurant yeah and we yeah. had to take out the sound of the fridges in the background which we, we <laughs> thought was going to be okay but it picked it up but i've got somebody to do that for me yeah because the way my life works with business and kids um i can't give the time that maybe you can to to produce the shows absolutely i mean would you rather have it the way that you currently do it i like the way i do it yeah um, i like the way i like working with people and keith um easton up at um the well podcast studio mm-hmm I've met a great guy. Yeah. You know? He's a lovely guy. You've met Keith. Yeah, and when you go in there guy. and when I communicate with him and I speak to him, I've got a new mate. You know, <laughs> and we're 41 episodes in now, I think. That's awesome. But every wow. time we chat, um, every time we chat, we have a bit of a laugh, we have a giggle. Off mics is always, you know, the the, the banter, yeah. as they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the 40th episode, I actually sat down with Keith and we did a show together. 
and we chatted about each other because after 40 episodes, Keith and I had been together in a room, a small room, mm-hmm. for many, many hours. Mm-hmm. We hadn't literally chatted because <laughs> I would come in with guests. We tend not to speak to the guests too much prior to the show. Mm-hmm. And from there, um, we're live, we're recording. Yeah. And I'm not sort of interacting with Keith. How was your weekend? What's been going on? Podcast finishes, it gets wrapped up. See you later, Keith, and off we go. Yeah. So it's yeah, actually yeah. great to sit down with them a couple of weeks ago and, and just chat about things and hear about his life and his business and how he's built his podcast studio. Yeah. Because yeah, this world awesome. that we're in, yeah, it's very exciting. It's it's for me, and we can get into that why I got into podcasting. Mm-hmm. But there's so many famous people doing it, so many um opportunities just to get stuff out there, get a message across and learn and and take a lot from podcasts when you might have usually been dead time or yeah. a commute or a time you've wasted. Now you can put a podcast on and, and listen to all sorts. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, 100%. I mean, I, I look at, you know, the, the way that you're doing that with having a producer. And I know that, like, um, I mean, James English is another Scottish podcaster who has a team of people doing the work. He's the interviewer and that's his role. And there's, there's elements of me that are maybe slightly envious because it's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have someone just do that part for me? The flip side of it, and this is the bit that I struggle with the most, is the delegation of that responsibility to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I need to trust that it would be up to my standards. Mm-hmm. And it probably would never would be because ultimately it's my creation, it's my baby, and it's like I need to kind of make this the way that I want it to look. It, and if it's if it's not, then I'm like, I would be disappointed. Yeah, but it's working out what you can maybe sacrifice and delegate yeah. that will keep your product being at that level that you want to just, you can work harder on getting guests in. Yeah. You can work harder on the social media side. Mm-hmm. If it's somebody that can sit, you could send this content to a production company and they cut, edit, and it comes back and you watch it. As long as, the, in my opinion, as long as the message is there, it's clear, it's good content that, that goes out, mm-hmm. you can take care of the other bits and pieces. So yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe that's worth considering and, and chopping and changing a wee bit, taking a bit more of the pressure off you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like you say, delegating, you might go through two, three, four, five companies, people until you get somebody you can really work with. Yeah, yeah. I've been fortunate with Keith that, I mean, I, I'd listened to a handful of podcasts before I recorded my first one. Is that right? That's it. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I think it, it was April 2018 or maybe sort of March 2018, there thereabouts, I'd listened to probably a Joe Rogan podcast or something, but I'd heard about the way, that, the way social media and everything's evolving and the way the newspapers sort of out of fashion hmm. branding taxis I, I was quite traditional with my, my property company quite traditional and how do you get the message across that you manage properties that you sell flats and things like that mm-hmm. um we have the twitter account we have the facebook and i run all that for my company but podcasting i was listening and i think it was a show that i had listened to about the benefits of podcasting for a company and i thought well how how could i use something like that so i started listening to podcasts and then it for me and my background, it's heavily involved in the property industry and the rugby world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So hence I cre- created the Property Rugby Club podcast mm-hmm. um, because I want to stay connected to the property industry, and talk mm-hmm. about property and talk about Edinburgh, but rugby is such an interest to me as well. So I thought I'll combine them. Mm-hmm. Who do I know that... Or, so all I was going to do was put a phone down in the middle of a table, press record, and I thought I'll have a podcast. Oh, I'll okay. update it. Yeah. Um, the first person I invited on knew Keith at the Well Podcast Studio. And said, well, oh. Nashi, instead of doing it in your office on the phone, speak to Keith. And that was it. It was born. And Keith just ran with it. Yeah, right. So that, that's that's how it all began. Because just <laughs> at my age, at 35, I'm not playing rugby anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm not around the changing room. I'm not around the, the players as much, the clubhouse, when I can. Um, but I've usually got my kids with me, so I'm not sort of networking or the business head isn't on on a Saturday afternoon all the time. Um, how do I stay connected in the rugby world mm-hmm. with my property background and the property rugby club combined the two? So that's what that's what happened. So maybe networking events I would throw, but to get the the sort of feel of rugby world knows that Alan works in property. Most people need to let have something to sell. Maybe something needs managed, or maybe something needs maintained and repaired. Yeah, my services are there, and that's how I I built the property rugby club, um, which was originally a figment of my imagination, but it <laughs> turned into something that people were quite interested in. Yeah, and turned that into the podcast where I would bring in a guest, a professional rugby player and a property professional, and we'd chat for an hour mm-hmm. about property and how sportsmen have um, mm. insurance needs and all sorts of things and combine that. Mm-hmm. And it's grown from there. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that was it. <laughs> so w- w- when you started out originally, I mean, what was your uh, your intention or perhaps your expectation of what the podcast might do for your business? Um, on that side of things, I've no idea. Right. right at the start, no idea. I am, I've owned the Ace property for 14 years mm-hmm. and that's been my steady. I've tried lots of other things that are in the background and failed. Failed many times in other businesses. And podcasting, who knows, might, I might stop it one day. But at the moment, it was it was another thing. I thought, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to try it. I've got no problem standing in front of crowds and talking. I've got no problem sitting here, putting the earphones on yeah, and, yeah, and going for it and having a chat. Yeah, yeah. Realised what discovered what podcasting was and thought I can mm. probably do that I can probably sit and interview in the first couple if you go back to season episode one and two they're probably not very good you know they're not tailored they're, I've got written notes I'm trying to do all my intros with people in the room and I'm getting Keith's on like take 10 take 11 I'm just getting it wrong okay. but that's what happens you know yeah so what yeah. happened the first game of rugby was probably rubbish but my first anything was probably rubbish first <laughs> yeah. 10 you yeah. have to just keep repeating yeah um but as I as I start as people started to listen and comment and as it grows, um, it takes time. But I'm definitely seeing people oh Nashi, I listened to the podcast that you were talking about insurance on properties. Uh, can, can I come in and see you? Or maybe a rugby player or something. So it definitely has um up to my profile. Yes. To the point that sure. Ace Property, I'm I'm the new bit. I take all the new business and I go and do all the new pitches. That's that's my role within the business. And as as I've structured it as it's grown, mm-hmm. um, along with owning and running the business, that's sort of my my core um, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's definitely opened doors. It's definitely got me to places and invites that I would never have been. Um, which in those rooms, I can maybe network. I can talk about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, and as the, the podcast has evolved, it isn't, I'm, I'm currently evolving it right now into, it's called Get After It with Nashi. Yeah. So I'm kind of dropping the the property rugby club side of it. So it will be Get After It with Nashi, brought to you by Ace Property and the property rugby club. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I, I will change it. And we'll, again, we'll get into maybe later why I'm changing the name, but I've evolved it because talking about property and rugby every episode it was getting the same <laughs> same content every yeah week. yeah um and then guests you're, you're just inviting different rugby players talking about the same things which i didn't want to sort of get pigeonholed in that hence it's evolved into we've had some similar guests on and mm-hmm. uh, mark beaumont and yeah. everest summiteers and gavin um, bell gavin bell was on <laughs> um to number one best-selling authors and things like that that mm-hmm. I've, I've diversified into to other avenues and what that's done 
it's put me and my podcast into um I had an Olympic judo fighter on. So there's other people in judo that listen to that podcast and they hear Ace Property and they hear Alan Nash and they think, oh, maybe I'll go there. I've got the flat to sell, I've got the flat to rent and it creates opportunities. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's been another, as an add-on, people have social media, podcasting for businesses, people should really think about it. Mm-hmm. They should really think about it. It's 100%. time-consuming. Um, you've got to be dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. Well, that, that, that's it. I think it's, if it's born from passion, then that's the reason yeah. for doing it. You know, I would never um, necessarily advocate someone podcasting with the objective of, say, making money out of it. Because I don't think it's terribly, certainly not the podcast in and of itself. Yeah. I think that's a, a fairly brutal way of doing it, um, is trying to make money. But certainly as a means to just putting your content out, content marketing, it's great for that. Yeah, actually, just to come back, I've got a few questions bouncing around, but... Mm tackle this one first you asked me before we started here whether i got nervous um and it, like i've done episodes and episodes of content over years and so i don't get nervous it's just the sort of the anticipation or the sort of little slight butterfly feeling of like oh this is cool we're going to do a conversation but what about yourself then like do you Def- find nerves every time see i, but... I was an extremely nervous rugby player <laughs> is that extremely right for what sorians and age group stuff or whatever i did in, in rugby back in sort of my late teens and through my 20s i would be the guy being sick in the changing room before is that right terrible if we my worst game was always what sonians versus aberdeen grammar the nerves on a theo robust trip Surrendous. And a lot of players can relate. A lot of players go through the same thing. The famous thing I always remember the British Lions in, I forget the year, but they were in South Africa years ago. 97, it, I think. Nice, Living with the Lions is a deep yeah, movie. Brilliant. They're doing the team talk and it's Yian Evans. You can hear him spewing his load, guts everywhere. I thought Delalio was a spewer as well, but maybe I don't it's know. So I was like that. 100%. Wow. I wouldn't eat. Um, the morning of a game, I would hardly eat. On a Friday, I would eat. I'd be fine, but I'd usually be working. So my head's elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Saturday on a game I wouldn't eat I would be able to get through a game on very little food and energy well I'd have the energy yeah. you get there when you get to the game and you see the guys and warm ups and I would always get through it and be starving after the game mm. but I was bad for that my mum would always worry I wasn't eating before a game it's just the way I did it and I know I know there's many guys that can relate so podcasting um, there's always nerves as a guest going to turn up <laughs> you know but a few late calls. I've never had a call off. I've never missed an ep- never missed an episode that's been booked, uh, which has been great. People, have, the guests have been fantastic. But um, on the flip side, it's there's that. Then you get there, and are my questions any good? Am I going to be able to keep it going? Mm-hmm. What if this guest isn't um, a talker? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you yeah, invite yeah. somebody that isn't going to give a bit back. Yeah. Fortunately, I've got to a stage now. Where the guests have always been great, and they've always if they've been rugby players. They're used to speaking after matches or yes. interacting with fans, referees, coaches. So they're not no problem talking. Mm-hmm. Um, property people sometimes don't have the. They're not speaking openly all the time. You sometimes got to work your way to get them uh, talking. But authors, no problem. They, they, they all the time adventurers, people that have sort of done the circuit. Mm-hmm. It can be great and it can really flow. Yes. Uh, but no, definitely get nervous before every episode. I was nervous coming here. I don't know. Then what's great about this is I'm on. You, I'm your guest. I've never done that before. Yeah, yeah. So every guest I've had on must maybe felt like I did since we booked this in. What's mm-hmm. he going to talk? What are we going to talk about? Yeah. What's he going to ask me? What yeah. if I don't know the answer? What if I can't <laughs> give him an answer? Yeah. That's been going through my mind. <laughs> so, but now that we're we're rolling and we're recording, it's like yeah, 
crack on yeah let's go you're in you get into sort of a comfort zone yes oh completely well you know i just i i honestly think that after probably 10 maybe 15 minutes um you just become it's it's me and you in a room having a chat Mm -hmm. um you forget that these are running you forget that there's video cameras or whatever as far as i'm concerned it's you and i are having a conversation and anyone that wishes or chooses to listen to that thereafter that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's what we see with the, the main man is Joe Rogan and his podcast. Yeah. His, his setup obviously is unbelievable. I'd love to go and <laughs> yeah. see his facility and mm-hmm. his man cave and everything he's got out there. However, he just sits across the table and he doesn't give a shit if it's the president or the queen or whoever. I think he'd still smoke a, smoke oh, a totally. joint, chill out, yeah, offer yeah. a whiskey. Um, he'd get drunk with Elon Musk every day of the week if he had. He doesn't care about Tesla and them dropping uh, stock yeah. market points. No, of course. He just wants a conversation. <laughs> yes. And that's what, what I don't struggle with, but I always come into my podcast with questions. But I really like it when, if I have two guests on, they start talking to each other. Like yeah, you and Mike cool. McRail, you start asking yeah. each other questions or having a laugh. Mm-hmm. When guests, my job, and I suppose your job is to say as little as possible. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, pretty much. To get as much out of the guest as you can. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, I've always looked at my role less so in this environment more so in inspired edinburgh is just a conduit for conversation so i'm just facilitating or trying to bring the best things out of the guest mm-hmm. and so i should just kind of pale a little bit into the background mm-hmm. um it's not about me or trying to get my personality across it's me trying to get the best stuff from them and being their friend and making them feel comfortable to be able to share their kind of deepest and darkest stuff what i, I also <laughs> like to do with guests is with edinburgh and with me having built built this ace property business mm-hmm. um i i'm conscious of how hard that was 14 years ago and we went through a credit crunch and we went through a lot of ups and downs and we still are. And every day I'm there, I'm fighting fires and about the things I've got to do as an owner. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in Edinburgh and a mm-hmm. lot of rugby players that have mm-hmm. businesses and they're thinking of the future after. So I bring on a lot of guys that uh, and girls that maybe have new businesses and new startups and I like to promote. And it's as simple as that. As simple as that. Come on, talk about your business. Uh, Genius Beers was one. Um, mm-hmm. I see them on Twitter. They're the healthy... Um, low calorie beer mm-hmm. and they were doing a lot with the Doddy Weir campaign mm-hmm. so I, one morning I just tweeted hey don't know who you are it's a, it's a Genius Beer uh, Twitter account so it's not Malcolm at Genius Beer or anything okay. would anyone want to come on and talk instantly straight back would love to um, they came on we talked about Genius Beer and I got to know a bit about brewing I got to know a bit about the production the marketing how they're building that business and now I follow them regularly I promote them I tweet them as much as I can Yeah, yeah. and that's happened quite regularly and, mm-hmm. I, and I love it I love to see the new business. If I can give someone a bit of platform, um, they don't pay anything. They don't need it. I, I want to hear about their business. Yeah. I want to hear what they're doing, the, the, the ups, the downs, the stress, the, the sleepless nights that it takes to get a business going. Yeah. That, that, that makes me makes me tick. Mm-hmm. I love Super it. cool. Super cool. It's funny, like, I often, my biggest fear when I was doing, uh, like, interviews podcasting was that is there going to be dead air is there going to be situations where i just have nothing and there's nothing to say and like how embarrassing would that be yeah. but the reality reality is now and i suppose it's advice for anyone that does this or wants to do this is that ultimately you can just open your mouth and hmm. words will fall out and you'll be okay and you can find your train of thought or you can you know kind of meander through your whatever it is that you're saying yeah to, to come on to a new point. Well, I can flip, I don't know if there was a question there, and I can flip it around and say, do you believe in aliens? <laughs> you know, and then, and then off we go. 
Yeah. You know, and then if we go on a tangent, what about ghosts, Bigfoot, things like that? And I mean, you can just go off on a tangent and someone might come in, I'm here to talk about whatever. I'm not here to promote anything, yeah, talk yeah. anything, but we've got common ground in podcasting and you've been on my show and, and all that. But you want to talk about aliens, you want to talk about Bigfoot and all that sort of stuff. I think we're obligated to know. I think, well, yeah, yeah, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of a conversation. Yes. There's, yeah, there's no hidden agenda or, or anything. It's no, just, not at all have a chat and people will sit and listen on buses on trains on commutes and that's yeah, yeah. this maybe i don't know when you put your podcasts out mm. um keith turns mine around as quick as he can so yeah. if i record on a wednesday we always put it out sort of 6 a.m on a morning mm-hmm. so it would beep on the iphone or whatever people are listening on and they can listen mm, on the okay. commute and my pod's generally 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. sometimes they run over but that's generally between home to work Yes. Four or five minutes, people can consume the content or they'll finish it on the way home if they remember. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, that's <laughs> yeah. how we've done it and we learned how to do that. Yeah, 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 of course. It's a good it's a good strategy, actually. I like that. We'll come back to aliens and Bigfoot because I think that's a really interesting topic. Um, I, I want to go back to your early life and kind of growing up and all that stuff. But just before we get there, I just have one question about the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a bit of a tricky question, but who was the guest that was most unexpected? Or, you know, who was the guest that surprised you the most? As in a great, or actually just said yes to come on. Well, or? just, I mean, just like in, in general, I guess like once they arrived, they just surprised you in a way that they weren't necessarily uh, like what you expected that they might be or that they um, were, you know, worse than they. <laughs> but no, well, I think there's, there's a guy, um, Damien Hughes, and he's the author of The Barcelona Way. Mm-hmm. And he is one of the psychology advisors for the SRU. So there was a bit of a connection through rugby. Mm-hmm. And I contacted him and he said yes, and fantastic. And I, and I read his book, The Barcelona Way. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he was in Edinburgh, then he, he ruptured his Achilles and had to go back to Manchester. So we did the interview over Skype. Oh. Um, but the accessibility to a best-selling author, the, the way he opened up, the way he discussed everything, the things he offered afterwards when he's in Edinburgh, let's catch up. Mm-hmm. I, he, I can't thank him enough, and and he, by no means is is the podcast um, overly uh, established or anything like that. But he just immediately said yes, no problem. I'll come on and chat. I know you're connected a wee bit to rugby. Mm-hmm. He gave me a lot of time. He he um he was very kind and uh, off mic is also a great time when the when the camera or we don't really record my podcast but on film. But when the mics are off, he he stayed on. You know, we Keith's Keith's looking at me going. We're staying here all night. What are we doing? Yeah. We just had a great chat. Um, so so Damien was um he was a great guest. Uh, Mark Beaumont, I know he's been on your show quite a few yeah, times. He yeah. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my fitness side of things that I do, um, I always say when my kids are sleeping, I'm out training or doing something. Yeah. Um, he talked about going on bike rides and things like that, and getting my sort of core group of friends that we train together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so well, that's why I find that these people come on in there. They're not instantly pals or we're best friends now and great, I'll phone you. <laughs> but they're, they are very um, great with their time. Yeah. They, they do seem to, they, they want to be there. They're present when they're on the podcast. Um, I've, I've had a selection of great guests. Mm-hmm. No, no one's really surprised because a lot of them are quite, relatively in rugby world or sporting terms or Olympians and things like that. They've maybe been, I've, I know who they are and I know that they've got some great stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a guy that I haven't met yet, and I'd love to, is a, a, a former um, Marine called uh, Mark Omrod. And we did Skype, he's in Plymouth. Um, 
and several years ago he was in uh, at war and he lay down on an IED and lost both his legs and his mm, left geez. arm. So to take inspiration from a guy like that mm-hmm. um, and talk to him and he told me a story and Invictus Games, everything he's done, to, to just sit like this and no one else in the room and I'm on the phone on Skype to him mm-hmm. listening to the story. But I knew what the kind of passion he would bring to it because I follow him on uh, Instagram, follow him on Twitter mm-hmm. and he's just inspiring all day. And it's guys like that. When I get the chance, two years ago, I didn't have no reason to speak to these guys. <laughs> now that the podcast gives me a bit of, um, it makes it possible to reach out to people and say, would you like to come in for a chat and tell me your story? And I want to learn about your business. I want to hear about you. I, I had no right to do that two years ago. And podcasting has given me that. Yeah. So I now interact with Mark, um, whether it be a like on his recent post or or a high five when he does something unbelievable. He's a jiu-jitsu fighter when he does all mm. that sort of stuff with mm-hmm. um, with no legs and one arm. Mm. What excuse do I have not to get up in the morning? Now, I've spoken to this guy and I know he's in my world, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no excuses to not go for that run or to not get up and, and try my best mm. when there's people out there that are they've got a, a tougher day than I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So podcasting has brought that to me. It really has. And mm. from the business side, there's people that have affected me in entrepre- with entrepreneurial spirit. And there's, as I said, the entrepreneurs that I've met with, they're, they're building businesses. And even even Mike McCrail, when he was mm-hmm, on talking mm-hmm. about get-go, mm. he used it to start something really exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, cause I didn't know Mike. Um, <laughs> I'd never met him and it was just linked in. I think I sent him a message. I think something was bubbling away that he was building. And obviously he did say he announced it on the podcast. And I got the text message after. And actually, when's this going out? I've not told anyone else. And I was like, it'll be live tomorrow morning. He was like, shit, <laughs> let me get some promotion out to tell people it's called Get Go before it goes out in the podcast. But guys like Mike, um, they excite me. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're doing things. They're, they're getting out of their bed. They're making new things and they're putting mm-hmm. content out. Or other guys are climbing mountains and running 200-mile races. And these people are around me now that I can contact and say, I'm going to be here at this. Do you want to catch up? Mm-hmm. And it happens. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it. It's been great. <laughs> Who is the one guest out of everyone on the planet that you would most like to sit down with? Well, can I give you two? Okay. Well, okay. well I, th- I think well, the, the obvious one, the obvious one obvious. is Joe Rogan. Oh, wow. Okay. I often think if, some, if the shit right, hits okay. the fan, what would Joe Rogan do? I mean, that guy, he's got it. You know, some people may be against his hunting and all that, this, that, and the other, and smoking weed. He's and so alpha. It, it's so <laughs> yes, alpha, but, but a spade's a spade. Yeah, yeah. He's extremely intelligent, or he says he's not. He's a moron, but he's got a good memory. Wow. He's extremely intelligent. Yeah. He's into a lot of things that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, see about Joe Rogan, he's 50. You know? <laughs> At 35, you think, oh, hold on, I'm 15 years here. I'm never going to be as big as that celebrity, and I don't want that, but mm-hmm. for a lot of time to do stuff. Mm-hmm. What if I do want to get into martial arts? Mm-hmm. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. What if I do want to do that? I can still do it. Mm-hmm. But the, the one person I'd want to interview, and, and the, the cool thing about social media is the guy interacts with me. His name's Jesse Itzler. Oh, wow, okay. Have you heard of him? Yeah, David Goggins. David is Goggins, <laughs> living, living with a seal. Yeah, yeah, I follow him. <laughs> um, and people, if they follow me on Instagram, they'll see me tagging him and this and that, but he, he responds. Now, this guy yeah, owns... Right. He owns um, an NBA He's team. a billionaire. His wife's a billionaire. She owns Spanx, the the garments that the ladies put underneath their their clothes to hold everything in. I think that's what they do. That's my it. wife tells me. <laughs> uh, Take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, but um, his wife owns Spanx, which is a well known brand. But mm-hmm. he he owned Marquee Jets and he sold it to Warren Buffett. 
He's owned lots of businesses, so he's a hugely successful multimillionaire in his own right. Yeah. But he's a he's fifty. He's a father of four young kids, and he is just hilarious. Yeah. And he gets up. He run he runs hundred mile races. Mm-hmm. He does ultraman. He does all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. He had David Goggins in his house with him for a month and wrote the book <laughs> Living with a Seal, which uh, I love that book. Yeah. Um, and he's <laughs> social media makes people almost approachable accessible I'm sure you like me put out lots of messages on Instagram to randoms that I should have no right to speak to hmm. but in every time I do that behind the scenes saying would you like podcast invite mm-hmm. to try and get their attention mm-hmm. and then bit of info so if I'm trying to get some famous marine or fitness guy I'll be saying I've had on Mark Omrod yeah. on Colin McLaughlin mm-hmm. um, all these sorts of guys from the SES show mm-hmm. um, um, that's who I've had on this is who I am this is what I do I'd love to chat more often than not they don't get back but it's in their messages and then you go on to their actual page the next time they post hi joe blogs sent you a message mm-hmm. let me know what you think hmm. and then they start to be a bit of interaction yeah yeah um, but going back to your question jesse itzler mm-hmm. um he's a guy that and i've and i've messaged them saying one day you don't know it yet you don't know uh, me but we're going to come we're going to have a chat on my podcast and you never know he just might yeah you know totally but he's got four kids and i've got three and his are similar ages to mine, and I can relate. Mm-hmm. I can relate. Him and his wife—they have a fun, really funny social media profile where they both sort of communicate and put their holidays on and the things that yeah everything's yeah. Going, everything's going great on the family holiday, and then the, one of the kids is sick. One of them's falling off their bike, and I'm crying with laughter because that's my daily my daily occurrence. <laughs> it's awesome. I expected you to say Jocko Willing actually, but I thought you would say Jocko. Um, I, he's another one. He's another one that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Be amazing. And um, I think the guy, Mark Ormron, who I had, is going on Jocko's podcast in October, November. Oh, wow. Because Mark's obviously got such a interesting military story. Mm-hmm. But Jocko, a guy, I mean, I'd, yeah, you'd love to get these kind of guys, but I don't know. You, you've got to push yourself and you've got to, but at yeah, some point, yeah. just now for me, it's, probably, it's not worth my time trying to get them on. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you've got to gradually build away. It's like everything. It takes time. Mm-hmm. But saying... Five years time, one of those happens, you know, and you get someone on. In podcasting terms, you get someone like that on. It can change your podcast. It can change your life. You might have listeners someone like Jocko would get. That's it. I was going to say that. Things like that. You, you, that you would get give one somebody A-lister. massive exposure. You get one A list. Game changer. Yeah, absolute yeah. game changer. Mm-hmm. So we've got to keep pushing mm-hmm. and keep trying. Yeah. But that's no disrespect to any other guest because every guest I've had on, I've loved it. You know, I've loved it, and I've got I've got a guy you just spoke to him today. He's a strong man. Lives in Haddington. Scottish strongman, ex-military, ex-marine. That's really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And he's currently training, I think, he, or he's not training, but he lifts the dinny stones, which is, the you know, when you see in the strongman on TV, the massive stones. Yeah. That's what he, one of his things he does. I want to know what all you about call, that. What do you call them? Dinny, dinny stones? Dinny stones. I think so. The atlas, I think. The, the I atlas are the round ones. The yeah, dinny stones oh, right, are different they, shapes. And oh, I think okay. they go up oh, in right. scale and up in, up in weight. Oh, right, okay. Um, but he's in Haddington. Jeez. He's in the next village to me in East Lothian, and it was through friends at, um, at CrossFit down at East Rocks. Um, they said, "What about getting Big Kenny on Nashi?" I was like, "Who's Big Kenny?" <laughs> we searched them Instagram. But we're, we're chatting today, and I'll phone him tomorrow. Yeah. That's how these things happen. Yeah, but that guy really interests me. Mm-hmm. Mindset mm-hmm. of a marine. You, you're really into the mindset stuff, eh? Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm new to it. Right. Okay. I'm new to it. Only the last couple of years, everything's changed personally since i started podcasting i mean that because the, the people that i've met 
and like I said previously, the people that I've had access to, mm -hmm. these are exceptional people, some of them. So 200 mile races. You mm -hmm. know, that guy, Connor O'Keefe, he just completed on Monday eight marathons in eight days. Lives in Ireland and I, I spoke to him on Skype. He made me run my first marathon the day that I interviewed him on the podcast. Because I said to myself, this guy ran 200 miles in 58 hours, right? And everyone else stopped the race. He was the only one that finished it. I haven't even run a marathon. How can I possibly relate to this guy? Or have any feeling of... So I sat hardly able to walk in my podcast studio with Keith. That morning I'd run a marathon, my first one. Mm -hmm. um, and this guy's running 200 miles, but had a wee sort of sample of what he must have felt like. And he inspired me to do that. And now, weekly we're in touch. Yeah, right. Messages. I've invited him to Edinburgh. Come to the festival. What are you doing? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. you got to get these people around you. Get these people with that mindset and that drive and, you know, bring them into your world and thrive off them. So I love it. It's great. But podcasting's done that. Meeting guys like Mark Beaumont. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cycled around the world. Yeah. <laughs> twice. Twi well, yeah, he's done it twice. <laughs> let alone uh, everything else he does. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, the shops. You know, I'll take the bike. I can't be honest. <laughs> You know, these guys are out there <laughs> and they're actually, we can get to them. And once you get sort of a, a small portion of them and you go, look at his, his drive, you know, have I got any of that in me? So since I started getting access to these people and sniffing out Kenny, the strongman from Haddington, who's yeah, competing yeah. in Scottish strongman. Yeah. I want to meet Kenny. Lives in the next village. What's he, what's he like? What was his marine career like? You know, that, that really interests me. Because I know I'll take a bit away from that. So so what do you think is the thread that connects all of these high-performance individuals? A lot of them just don't know how to quit. Hmm. Tons of them don't know how to quit. They, they, they're always going to get started. They'll always turn up. And then they don't quit until they finish or their body won't let them. You know? Even when um, Mark Omron, his injuries, he's never quit. You know? He was resuscitated. He talks about on the podcast... He was in such a bad state that he was the rest of his body was just put in the corner while they thought they were saving someone else. Then Mark started moving. He's still alive. This guy's still doing jujitsu with one arm. Mm -hmm. This guy is an inspiration to me. Every day he's out smashing it. And then, like we talk about, we had a guy Ricky Monday. He, fa mm -hmm. he failed his Everest attempt. Um, I hope I get this right. Failed his Everest. In, I think November, October, two thousand eighteen. And his friend, they both had to come down. I don't, I'm not sure. I think they'd just missed the death zone. But his friend lost fingers through frostbite. Is that right? But Ricky went Jesus. back. Sorry, it was two thousand. I'm a year ahead of myself. But Ricky went back the following May and summited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Didn't quit. You know, failed it. Going back and done it. You know, did it. Now he's traveling the UK and speaking and talking to kids and inspiring. Mm -hmm. And he came on my podcast. Now, we used to play rugby against each other. He was at Glasgow Hawks and I was at Watsonians. So mm. there's a bit of history there that I knew him. Ricky, how are you? And he was he said on LinkedIn, um, I'm going to be in Edinburgh. Is there anyone who'd like me to come into their school, their business, talk about my Everest experience? I said, Ricky, podcast, fancy it. So he was very early in maybe, I think, episode four or five to get an Everest summiteer on. It's brilliant. And I, I mean, I didn't instantly claim Ben Nevis or anything like that, but he inspired me that he, that guy didn't quit. Mm -hmm. And he's going to keep climbing things. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think these guys have all got that in common. Um, whether Olympians had Ewan Burton on, he, he was fantastic. I've known Ewan, he's trained a lot of the rugby players. He's a players. judo player. Judo, yeah. yeah. Um, Commonwealth gold and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. These guys, there's a mindset there of just not quitting. And it's kind of re, re, 
charged me that I'm not one of these athletes or one of these ultimate, but I can do more. Mm-hmm. I can certainly do more. I can certainly get out of my bed in the morning. Hmm. I can certainly, instead of hitting the kid, I'll put the kids to bed with Abby and my wife. You go through the routines and there's stuff to be done about the house, but before I sit down, I'm going out. I'm going to do something. So I made sure I had stuff in the garage that I can train with. I make sure I can go to the beach and run or just get out and do a lot more. Mm-hmm. And as I'm quite open, I've got no problem saying it's because since I started podcasting. <laughs> well, th- and this was going to lead on to my next question, I guess, is that, you know, in in what way is the you today different to the you prior to starting podcasting and how much of that would you attribute to the podcast itself? I think I, fitness-wise and health-wise and what the kids do, mm-hmm. we do more with our time now. Mm. There's less dead time. Um, and even when I'm speaking to people, saying, actually, did you really run a half marathon on Monday night? Yeah, I did. I will run Long Nidri to North Berwick. That's my route. I like that. I can do that, get an ice cream and get the train home. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that makes me happy. And if the kids are asleep, Abs knows I'm going. She'll, mm-hmm. she'll be busy herself. She she quite she often runs from Long Nidri to Edinburgh for work, for 14 miles. Whoa. And I'll pick her up, we'll come home. And we, we've both got into that sort of challenge mindset. What are you doing? How many did you do? 12. <laughs> I've got to go. That literally is how our, our life is at the moment and we love it. Yeah, right. That's we love crazy. it. We push each other. Yeah, but that's, th- that's brilliant in a relationship to have that. But I think I think time is um, how we use our time's changed. Okay. But how we eat food's changed. Mm-hmm. We, we cook outside and open flame fires in the garden. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, yeah, all the time. You look at my Instagram, I'm cooking steaks and I've eggs seen, and I've bacon. I've seen that. I didn't know that that was like a, oh, that's, is, if, a habitual if, thing as regularly as we can being, being sensible about it it takes a bit of setup in this yes, that and the other yeah, but yeah, yeah. as often as we can you know why because when the kids are there they want to be there okay if we're at the oven don't go near the oven you know there's all that it's different there's an open fire an open flame we're like do you want to stir it which doesn't really make sense however around the fire the family's together there is no TV in the background. There is phones because I'll maybe put it on Instagram and things, but they're not asking, can I watch this or Peppa Pig or things. Mm-hmm. They, fire brings them in and they know that we're going to eat out that pan. Mm-hmm. It's all set up and it's nice meals and then we, we put real effort into it because Abby's an outstanding cook. She's amazing at anything. When birthdays are coming and things like that, I know the brownies are coming and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So bacon and you name it, she's fantastic. So she's inspired me to cook more and I absolutely love it now. I absolutely love it. But getting around the fire and getting the family together, that's time well spent. Mm-hmm. Whereas we definitely, sometimes we are still, kids, there's your dinner, we've got to do that, we've got to do this, we'll eat ourselves later. You're kind of, you just try to keep the kids busy. But when we're realising more, we've got to be present with them. We've got to be there with them. Um, it's the, the fact of the matter, I'll probably work more a week than I see my kids. And that's so many people are in that um, environment and in that lifestyle that I try to change that as much as possible. So if I come home, changed, put the coals on, what's for dinner, what are we doing, let's get that on, and the kids, they bring their own seats. They know mm-hmm. what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. For a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old, I want that to be their memories. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be times that I come home from work and when they're old enough, they'll have lit the fire already, you know, and they, they're cooking for us because it is very easy. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, I have people now messaging me, what coals do you use, Nashi? Where do I get a fire pit? I'm not. That's not why I did it. I just <laughs> started showing people this is how we live and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's all come from that sort of side of things. I've got a couple of guys that I train with um, on Saturday mornings. One's a farmer, so he produces his own meat. 
he took us to his house one morning for a farm fitness session and then he opened the grill on his day and he had steaks and everything, steak and eggs for breakfast. I was like, I'm cooking outside tonight. That inspired me. Um, and the other guy, guy Alistair Dickinson, ex-Scotland international player, I've known him for many, many years. We trained together, but we've got really common interests in being outdoors and we have fire pits after just about every Saturday morning session. Kids, family, bacon and eggs, cooking it in front of us, get the sandwich, get it together. And it's just become kind of a wee, what we do. And it's a wee environment that we're creating that isn't online, it isn't overly um, sophisticated. It's just something we love to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, when you ask about time and what's changed for me, um, using time better. Yeah. Because we all don't have enough of it. No, you're absolutely spot on, 100%. So, I mean, in between business, podcasting, running, kids, grilling. Yeah. How do you wind down? What do you do? Grilling to... and cooking definitely is yeah. a wind down. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably cook tonight. If it's dry when we get outside, I'll probably cook tonight. <laughs> um, how do I wind down? We do. We love movies. Yeah. We do. That does happen. And, and we're not completely, it's not as if we've cancelled subscriptions and mm-hmm. get that out the window. And that. No, movies. We just watched, um, I hadn't seen it. My wife saw it in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, uh, a Star is Born with Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have, yeah. That character, Jackson Maine, the mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, he's he's a dude. <laughs> Regardless, I know he's a drug-taking alcoholic and all that. I just yeah, thought, yeah, what yeah. a character he was. Yeah, he was he, he was brilliant in that He part, was actually. outstanding. And I didn't see at the end, spoiler alert, then, I didn't see that he was going to take his life. I didn't see that coming. Nah, neither did I. Got I me. Yeah. My wife did. She kept quiet, but she was like, what, you, th- you see that coming? Oh, God, I got me. Yeah. But movies, love movies. Um Date, well, here's another one. Date night, you know. Yeah, it's very do you do that? Very, we, we, yeah, we do. We try yeah. to do it as often as we can. Hmm. Um, it used to be Nando's and cinema. Now it's paddleboarding. <laughs> now it's running. It okay. is. And it's yeah. cooking outside. And it's it used to be going to North Berwick for a big steak dinner. Now it's cooking our own steaks. And the kids in bed. We don't have to leave our house and we have a date night. Because we're doing different things together. Yeah. And the prep of the food is, is one of the great great sides of it. Yes. Prepping a steak or cutting chicken, whatever it may be, and you know that, that fire is raging outside. Um, that's how Abby and I have sort of changed what we do. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't see ourselves ever going back. We'll still go to Nando's now and again, and the new movie's out, we'll go and see it. But we prefer. Um, we would try too hard to, we've got to go out. We've got to go and do something. Mm-hmm. Where we live, we're lucky. We're close to the beach in Longnudry and East Lothian. It's lovely so, there. So we can just sort of cross the road and uh, be on the water. And if it's a nice calm night, we can paddleboard to Aberlady, go down to Gullin, paddleboard, and we're out, you know? Mm. So so things like that. And again, that's using time better. Mm-hmm. Not mm. rushing to get to a cinema time. Oh, God, yes. We've only got 10 minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Five Guys instead of Nando's because that's quicker. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm, we, we've changed a bit. Mm-hmm. We've changed a bit in that respect. Mm-hmm. Before we start started this, um, one of the things that I always do, and actually before you arrived, I had done uh, a guided meditation and a bit of Wim Hof breathing, but I always just close my eyes and breathe and just center myself and just sort of set an intention and focus on, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do, have any sort of spiritual practices? Do you do any yoga or meditation or anything yeah. of that nature? Yoga, Abby's big on yoga. Yeah. She will go to the re- retreat. They're not yeah, retreats, yeah. but there are sessions in, in uh, East Lothian and things like that. She's big on yoga, yoga and enjoys that. And I have done yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it a lot. We put the computer on YouTube and do it at home. Yeah. I need to do it more purely to just keep everything flexible. 
mm-hmm. uh, running miles and running sand dunes and training and things like that mm. i'm not getting any younger um i, I historically had um hamstring problems mm. when i played a lot of rugby and stretching was the way to repair them etc etc mm-hmm. um breathing and things like that I've not done it. I know Wim. Is it Wim Hof? Wim Hof. Wim, Wim, well, Wim Hof, yeah. Is, is he the cold guy? Yeah. Yeah, so he does the ice dunks and all that sort of stuff. I've That's seen it. him. I've heard all about him. Um, but no, no, I can't say that the breathing and, and, and things like that I'm, I'm overly into. Okay. Um, but yoga, certainly, yeah. I need to get better at it. Just lower back pains. I think I rarely meet guys my age that don't have maybe a twinge in their back and problems like that. So I know yoga helps a lot, I guess. Yes, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see how your life might change if you did, you know, 30 or 60 days of meditating or something. Man, or so? Breathing, 100%. What, what do you get 100%. from it? I mean, I don't do it, like, absolutely religiously, but, I mean, I've done it enough that I'm aware of it. I mean, it, it's scientifically proven that it has, uh, like, physiologically i mean your brain changes after doing a certain amount of meditation Mm -hmm. it's i mean for me it's the ability to be able to i mean one of my friends um used an analogy and i think it was tim ferris that originally said this but it's like when you meditate if you could imagine your thoughts are like a washing machine like the this you know your thoughts are the clothes in a washing machine Mm -hmm. and if you um in everyday life you're like in the washing machine it's like all these things are going off and it's just total chaos and you're fighting fires and whatnot meditation is gives you the ability to be able to stand outside of the washing machine and look in and see the clothes or the thoughts just Mm. moving without having any of the you know there's no sort of like emotional engagement with it you're detached then you are the whatever you want to call it consciousness light you know god <laughs> you are just the observer of the thoughts the thoughts aren't you there's separation between the thought and who you, what, what you are at the core and you need to listen to something music or someone speaking to um, you to that or do you... personally i just tend to because uh i just I, I i like sort of guided meditation someone just talking you through something it's very definitive start and end point so i put on like a 10 minute med- uh, mindfulness meditation but there's nowadays there's just the they're, they're everywhere you yeah. know you can find things on youtube seven minute long or longer uh so i've done you know quite a few things like well, a bunch of things like that i was doing sauna based meditation right quite semi-religiously recently so 20 minutes i mean I, it's weird because joe rogan was doing this as well and i didn't know he was doing it whilst i was doing it but you just crank the sauna right up sit in the sauna I put earbuds in and then just close my eyes and then just focus and just allowing, you know, not engaging with the thoughts. If the thoughts come up, then fine, but, you know, you're not governed by them. Mm -hmm. And the challenge in that environment, because it's so extreme, is that there's that little voice like, get "Get the fuck out of here. You know, (laughs) you're getting cooked. What the hell are you doing? And you're just kind of letting that drift off. So that's powerful. But I've done... Wim Hof method I've done it twice in actual submerged in 20 bags of ice in a big paddling pool up to here twice like that and once going into like a really cold reservoir I'm um, I'm big on again on Instagram you'll see me jump in the sea all the time that's kind of my re- reset right okay yeah all the time um, morning, night, doesn't matter what, what's happening if I've done a run, if I've not mm. and I have a, a wee thing, if you, if you come to my house and you're there for a while, you're coming in the sea that, <laughs> yeah, that gets that a right? lot of people like, oh shit it's freezing, I don't have any shorts and I'm like there's a pair, let's go 
So no, cold water. I like that. I like that it's a challenge. It's the take yes. your breath. You've got to try and stay in as long as you can. Most of the time I'm in, I'm straight out. But it's the usual. Once you've been in once, get back in. Yeah. So I do. I put a lot of that on mm. um, on social media because, like I say, there's a platform where I live that you can jump in when the tide's in. Mm. And it's great. I love it. So I, I get it. I kind of I understand the, the meditation. I've just never done it. Um, but I do like to find something that will reset or recharge your, and cold water does that for me. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a good one. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, the, when I've done it, I've always done breathing beforehand, which basically Wim Hof breathing changes your body chemistry. So you become alkaline um, and it just, yeah, it, it's, it just feels very surreal, I guess. But yeah, be interesting. I'll, I'll follow you up and see how your meditation practice is going. Do that and I'll get you down and jump in the sea. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But see, see that, the jumping in the sea and, and things like that. And I, I believe a lot. And again, it's since I'm getting into podcasting and listening to these people that are out there, a few of them we've mentioned, is getting uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, turn of the year this year and coming into 2019 is the first time I've ever really set out plans for a year. And they're basically like um, things I want to achieve, whether mm-hmm. it be get up Ben Nevis, which we've done. Um, and I've started through the year, I've added more things on, run my first marathon, which I've done. Hmm. Um, I've got an ultra marathon, my first one with Abby coming up in October, 35 miles. So we're, we're challenging ourselves, we're pushing ourselves and finding the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting uncomfortable, and that's like a David Goggins thing and all these guys, but yeah. it's true. It, it, if you if you just stay comfy and, you, um, and nothing's pushing you or you just go through the same motions and the same grinds, you're not going to get anything different. You're not going to change anything. So hence, like, I'm evolving the podcast because I want it to change. In life, things have got to manoeuvre and be sort of the liquid side of things that you got yeah, to be able yeah. to move with it. Yeah. So getting uncomfortable, <laughs> whether it's jumping in the sea, whether it getting up early, early. In, my, my goal when I ran my marathon, I've only done one. I'm no great shakes. I've just <laughs> done one. There's people have done millions, hundreds, and run 200 miles, but I've done one. Yeah, yeah. I've ticked the box for me. But my goal for that was I want to do a marathon and get home in time to take my daughter to school. So the, my challenge was, that's a 4.30 start. And I did it. And I got home and I've got on video of me taking her to school, met her at the gates, and then we walked. <laughs> you know, and that was my challenge. And that was it. Mm-hmm. But it was uncomfortable. And it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And I, rever- I know exactly where I was at 17 miles. And I know exactly where I was at 20 miles. And I was ready to quit every, each time. Each time I looked at my, there were the two times that I looked at my phone. Mm-hmm. I was logging on uh, Strava, which I used to, to trail mm-hmm. my runs. Mm-hmm. I was ready to quit but I didn't I kept going and I recorded it all and I made the school run but I got uncomfortable and from there I was saying to my wife um, what should I do next so I started doing more half marathons so I'll do another marathon this month probably just from my house and go not recorded not at Edinburgh Marathon no medal at the end but just because it will be uncomfortable mm-hmm. if I feel myself sort of oozing into a um a comfort zone and I'm not pushing myself or I'm getting lazy or I'm eating the wrong things mm. something's got to reset yeah yeah um, yeah so I, I do that quite a lot but getting uncomfortable it's it's a place that uh, not everybody likes but it, as I was saying at the turn of the year I made that list to keep me uncomfortable because everything on it and some of them was go fishing I've never been fishing in my entire life it's not going to make me uncomfortable but to get there and to organise it I'm going to have to sacrifice some things um, but running marathons and climbing Ben Nevis and all that sort of stuff they're physical challenges but I just don't want to for now looking forward the guy Jesse Itzler mm-hmm. how many summers have you got left <laughs> you know mm-hmm. if I last to um, 80 you know 
45 summers left. Hmm. Not a lot. <laughs> 45 times to, to enjoy maybe paddleboarding, 45 times to do bits and pieces. That's yeah. what that guy preaches. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it. And a lot of people don't think like that. I've got yeah. tons of time. I'm young. But now I'm not. And you sort of run out of time of running marathons. You run out of time of balancing on a paddleboard. Unless you keep yourself fit and healthy. So, changes a lot. Hmm. Changes a lot in the things I do. What's your perception or relationship with death? Um, I've not had a lot of death in my life. Right. Which is um, a, a good thing. You know, I, I mean, I, yeah, I just haven't. Mm-hmm. Grandparents, um, they're all gone now, but I was young when they, uh, when they went. Um, fortunate both parents, everyone's still here and I'm an only child. Um, so, but not a huge family. Which is, I think, is why I wanted an Abby and I three kids in a busy home or lifestyle because I, I wasn't used to it. She's okay. one of three, but yeah, I certainly wasn't in three. Certainly busy. There's certainly a lot going on at the house. But with death, um, it scares me for the point of I've got so much to look after, hmm. you know, and in my three kids and in Abby and everything that we've got and the company that I've built. There's a lot, a lot there. The, co- the company can go. That, that that's fine. But um, I've got so much left. And so much to see in these kids mm-hmm. that I want to see it all. I want to be there with it. I want to be around the fires with them and cooking and climbing things and work-life balance and blend of, of everything. Sometimes isn't possible to be everywhere, but still being in and affecting their life is what's so crucial to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't know that until my daughter was my firstborn, until everything changed when she came along and how, you, how you've got to sacrifice things and change the priorities. But death, I think it is scary. A lot of people say I'm not scared of death, and it's but it's it's the unknown, mm-hmm. not knowing what happens next, and that's it. You know, it's it's closed. Life's over. Um, I, I I don't, I I almost don't understand it. You know, it's it's so sudden and so, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a hard one to explain, but it's something that I have uh, try not to think about too much. Is that right? Yeah, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> I, I do, definitely. Mm. It goes back to what what I'm saying and setting setting challenges for this year and doing things I want to live. Yeah, yeah, totally. But a lot of people use death as a means of, um, you know, kind of driving them forward. Like they're kind of aware of this thing on the horizon, yeah, and they want to tick off certain things, um, you know, before that happens. And you never know when that's going to be. You can only make an assumption. And, you know, it's like, right, I need to get these things done. They use it as, like, the catalyst for them to live their best life. I, I get that. I, I don't I don't think of it like that. No. I don't think of it like that at all. I don't think I'm going to die one day or soon. I need to pack in as much as I just keep going. Mm. Keep getting up early. Keep, keep, whether it's running miles, making the kids laugh, cooking around fires, podcasts, keep life going. Keep busy. Always, so, I, I do like being busy. My wife maybe say different. She's oh, you're moaning. We've got to go there. We've got to go here. But no, I'm I'm like you listed it earlier from from business to kids to podcasting to fitting busy, you know, and I love it. What are you running from? Running, running from nothing. No, nothing. Because a lot of people keep themselves busy to occupy themselves from you know fuck man existential dread or whatever it is or something that they're they don't want to like <coughs> face or necessarily address it so i was just curious whether you thought there was any reason that you're like i'll keep myself busy doing stuff no oh, um <clears throat> hmm. i'm not running from anything i just want to I, I keeping busy to me is, is important because it keeps me healthy okay <clears throat> 
It keeps my mind focused. It keeps um. It, I don't know. Does it keep things? I don't see people guessing. But what am I going to do next? It's important to me. Ace property is my steady. Mm-hmm. I've I've had lots of businesses, as I said earlier, that failed. I've I've, I've set up online businesses. I've set up, you know, the QR codes. Yeah. I had a QR code business that failed. Is that right? I couldn't get it off the ground. Um, it was an interesting one because the QR codes, and this is just an example of things that I've tried over the years. I thought, I'm going to get into that. And I had a business partner and, and we we create, we found a supplier who could create these codes for us. But what it did, it was it made my letting agency, all the adverts in the window, it made my window interactive, mm-hmm. which still people don't necessarily have. Mm-hmm. So someone could stand at the window with their phone, mm-hmm. download the QR code and all my information from my company comes straight to their phone. Mm-hmm. So it's people can obviously just Google the address and things like that, but it was quite cool. Yeah, couldn't get other businesses to take it on. Then John Lewis on the Christmas advert many years ago, when people started to get pause TVs, there was a QR code. Then they were everywhere, <laughs> and so little Alan tried to get oh, something okay. off the ground. Couldn't yeah. happen. People would just go to the main suppliers and get them because you do see them quite regularly now. Yeah, um, that was one thing I failed at it, but I tried. Mm. You know, so. Fire pits and cooking outside is new to me, but I've tried it and I love it. Running distance, I've always been able to run. Yeah. But a lot of rugby, it's faster stuff. Now I'm running distance. I've tried it and I love it. Mm-hmm. Other things, I, nah, I didn't enjoy that and that's not for me, but you got to try things and got to keep going. And if it's not um, if it's not for you, you, you don't have to keep doing it. So what what is the thing that ultimately drives you? Just It is, it's just living. It's just... I want to podcast. I want to be with my kids. I want to be at work. I want to keep doing things to these things make me happy. You know, so, so there, happiness. There, there, so there, there is. Maybe it's happiness. You know, maybe it's happiness. I want to be happy. If I'm down in the dumps, which happens, you know, bad days at work, you know, things go wrong. Mm-hmm. We, we, the kid, one of the kids had really bad illness when he was born, nine days old. Um, you're, you're unhappy. You're sad. You're scared. So find the happiness, find the thing that changes your mindset. And a lot mm-hmm. of people talk about fitness and getting outdoors and a bad day at work. What would you do? Go for a run, go and play rugby, go and box, hit a bag, which I've seen you doing recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> ha- finding happiness. Yeah, maybe we've got there. You got that out of me. Finding happiness. And if I can bring people along with me, mm-hmm. Abby and her running and the kids, whatever they're doing, that'll make me happy. Mm-hmm. You know? mm. But it's, it's sometimes hard to achieve though. Yeah, yeah, Very hard. for Can't sure. Be happy all the time. No, that's right. Meditation might help. I'll try it. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> oh, it's taken. Oh Jesus, it's taken us near, nearly an hour to get to where I expected we would get into immediately, which is awesome. It's, the conversation flows, yeah, effortless. I love it. Um, what, what was your childhood like? Childhood as an only child. Um, because I, I don't want to put words into your mouth but you said that earlier as though that might have been almost like a negative experience because you said you had more kids because you wanted more family uh, oh, no not negative no? not negative okay. in the slightest no very very lucky great parents great childhood you know got opportunities and um hard-working dad um hard-working mom yeah you know so i, I was shown I got into the property industry through my dad. I mean, he he was in, he got that background, so I'd get taken to work and things like that. Um, and probably knew from quite a young age this is what I quite like: mm-hmm. clearing out flats, getting dirty. That would be dad on a Sunday. We'd be out ripping stuff off walls, getting ready for decorators. So I got a taste of that quite early. Um, but childhood, no, the lot of sport. Um, 
great friends, great environment. I, I can't complain. I, I've, I've not got a story of um, it was really hard and um, there was the lights weren't on and there was no food. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I'm very privileged um, to the fact that my parents were fantastic and hardworking. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, hmm. But something that definitely, and mum won't mind me saying this, from dad's side, I, I, I understand what hard work is. Mm-hmm. I understand that putting the work in will get results. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you've got to turn up every time, regardless of uh, how bad it was yesterday or how bad it might be today. you got to go and you got to sort it. And if you do something wrong, you apologise. Yeah, You can make up the mistakes and not everybody's going to enjoy what you have to say or or you do or the, the action you take, but you got to turn up. And that's something we, we all live by. Mm-hmm. And I think I was speaking about this with a psychologist on my podcast um, last week. That I think I, I owe a lot to my parents in that respect. That they, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't a tough, but they were strict. They were strict, and they wouldn't let me away with the the, the cheekiness or the, the being a chancer. So no, it was a, a great upbringing, but they knew how to sort of rein me in to the point of um, that's been instilled in me mm-hmm. that I know I'll be dishing that onto my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I I don't know. I'm not a Love Island guy. I'm not in, in that sort of world <laughs> yeah. where if my kids are, I don't th- I don't think they'll know about it. Growing up, it won't be on in our house. You know, if, if, if dad, if I have my way, they can go the routes they want, but I I learned a lot through rugby and through property, through dad's influence of what he was interested in. If my kids and the way they are, kids copy you. You know, a lot of people do turn into what their parents are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a fact of life. You look at a lot of scenarios and that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. If my mm-hmm. kids um, copy what their mum and dad do, they'll be outside a hell of a lot. They'll be probably fit and healthy and, and, and trying new things and and uh, we'll be pushing them into those avenues and, and directions. Mm-hmm. We're not watching Love Island. We're not. I don't watch <laughs> X Factor or, or get yeah. excited because some the new season started. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen in our house, and most likely the way the track record is that the kids will probably copy that. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. We'll see how they end up. But now, certainly, I enjoy the five because I'm not used to five. You know, the three kids plus me and Abs and got the dog as well. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a busy house, which I'm definitely not used to. Mm-hmm. You know, an only child. I didn't know what it was like to have brothers and sisters, so I didn't know what I missed. No, I had, a, I had no issues with it. Because, mm-hmm. hmm. I mean, I, I was an only child, and I personally wouldn't have had it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd have liked having a sibling. I'm too selfish for that. <laughs> it would have just been competition. Yeah, but then you might have known, <laughs> you wouldn't have known any other way, so you probably would have had to share. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. But I, I think what, what I gained from being an only child was that I felt as though it forced me to go out and make friends and, you know, meet people and yeah. do that sort of stuff. Well, it's like going on holiday, your mum and dad would go away and find your wee pal, you know, and they'd be busy for a week, two weeks in Cyprus. And that always happened. You'd yeah. find a wee pal. Or, or, or I spent time with my parents, which yeah. I suppose, you know, and I've reflected on this, it probably encouraged me to grow up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, independent. Because... Uh, I don't know about independence so much, but just, you know, in terms of just having, like, adult-to-adult conversations, mm-hmm. you know, they're not they're not going to speak to you just like you're a child. They're just mm-hmm. going to speak to you like... What, what, what <laughs> I certainly know came from being an only child, and Abby will say, I have no problems being on my own. Mm. I have no problems, whether it's running or being on my own, or no one's in the office if I'm in early. I'm not looking for conversation. I'm not looking, I can be on my own. I can be in groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do find as I'm older, I tend to stay away from groups more. 
I tend to stay away. The, the urge of going into town into busy places isn't happening. Yeah, I'm the same, man. It must be a maturation thing because I've become probably more introverted, I would say, mm, yeah. as I've aged. Uh, Definitely. It's, it's, I was looking last night at some quotes. I love just looking at people having said quotes uh, on my phone or whatever. And it was, I think it's Jim Carrey who was saying that like, solitude is very addictive. Mm-hmm. You know, being on your own and not having your ultimately i guess your energy affected by external negative external stimuli a lot of the time is how it is there's another one i don't know if it was tom hardy that said it but his pictures beside it you know a lot of these things oh, are yeah. made up and they put a celebrity beside it <laughs> to get the fake clicks news. fake news but and i won't get this right but it's something to do with there's a lot to be said for a guy that enjoys his own company cooks his own meal and doesn't talk to anybody and is comfortable in his own home yeah yeah you know? I, i'm like that's me that's me. All the kids and everything's crazy. If no other stranger comes in and sees me for the whole weekend, I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then come Monday, <laughs> um, and my, my business is Monday 9 to, 9 to 5. That's where the office is open. My roles and responsibilities are whenever I'm required. Mm-hmm. You know, we are 365, 24-7 for emergency call-outs and all sorts of things. So I'm interacting with people all the time. Mm-hmm. all the time and it'd be tenants tradesmen so i have to have the skills to interact yes but as i say if i'm on my own absolutely fine it's no problem <laughs> uh, yeah it's funny i think i probably originally knew you i mean we both i mean i know you laterally you went to private school and there seems to be this sort of edinburgh almost incestuous uh thing about people that went to private schools probably drank in some other places when they got a little bit older and just sort of seemed to know other people through osmosis or having mutual friends or whatever it is mm-hmm. um what was your experience of uh private education or the education system well i went to watson's george watson's college um and if i'm honest i, I loved it yeah but on the flip side i wasn't very good at it is yeah. that right no i i, I never took the education no. I, hence probably why now i the, the job i'm in i i went for experience and climbed a ladder and then opportunities arose and built a business uh, academic going to university was never for me but i found rugby mm-hmm. rugby was very good to me it's let me travel and all these sorts of things at age group level and and on to what sonians fps and things but i, I think um what what private schools done for me it gave me confidence there is a lot of sp- all schools are like this but speaking in front of groups rugby and captaining teams i'm speaking in front of teams i'm talking to coaches i'm speaking in other rugby clubs and things like that mm-hmm. it definitely helped and i think watson's with their rugby culture and the, the sport that they've got yeah that was very good for me mm-hmm. um and you, you see a lot of internationalists come through schools like that and yeah. they go on to bigger and better things so no i, I loved my, my time at school um, I don't know what route my kids are going to go. Uh, they're going to the local village school uh, for primary school. We don't know what we'll do later in life. Really? Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't know. But it's slightly early. There's people putting names on lists and all sorts of things at the moment. We haven't jumped to I was, that. I was literally three days old because I, I met my dad recently for a, um, a drink at a curry. And uh, I thought I was right in saying that, but I never said it just because in, in case I was wrong. But I was three days old when he signed me up for Stu Mel. Is that right? Three days. Yeah. No, I'm crazy. We, we've not signed up for anything like that, but they might. They might go down that route and I just don't know yet. So what would be the sort of pros and cons? What is it you're, you're weighing up? Um, what, I, what I've certainly seen now and um, what am I? No, almost almost 20 years out of school mm-hmm. you know i've still got tons of friends th- that are in business now that i trusted at school that i would trust now 
Um, that's something that people will have that in all, every school. But in my school, my experience is that other well-educated kids came out of that school and they're still close to me. You know, so I've been able to hold on to a lot of friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not think that. Maybe I'm not great at keeping up to date with everyone, but a lot of people, it's you don't see them for years, for decades, and it's as if you never met. It, it never lost touch. Of course. yeah. But yeah. I know there's a lot of people that came out of school that um, they've gone on to great things and you catch up with them in the way social media is now. You do reconnect and you maybe start working with each other or you trust each other at least because you know where you both came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I, I don't know. Abby and I just haven't had that conversation as yet. We had to mm. sort out primary school. Mm-hmm. We sorted out nursery. Got through that. We still got one that's two, so he he's got a couple of years to go. But um, I don't know. Do I want them to go to Watsons? P- probably. I probably would like them to go through that. We also logistically living in East Lothian, it's got its challenges. Yeah. So if they get to the school bus, two hours of their day is going to be on a bus. That's got to be considered. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and at that point, who knows? Will I be coming into work every day? Will I have done something new in East Lothian? I don't know. So we're not committing to, to too much as yet. Yeah. Um, we're happy the little school that they go to at the moment is brilliant and we love it. Mm-hmm. And it's, what I'd say is where we are in Long Nidri, there is it's a great village environment. Mm-hmm. Great environment. The neighbour, we all talk. Yeah. You know, we all talk and you hear so many people, other people <laughs> in little areas and vicinities that never met their neighbour, didn't see anybody, that guy hates me and, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> If you kick the ball into their garden, you're not mm-hmm. getting it back. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. We've been very lucky and found a lot of kind people. Hmm. That's been great. Did you go to Watson's Primary as well then? Uh, six and seven. That's right, okay. Six and seven. Went to the same school that my mum teached at for, for most of junior, then moved. and then But senior school, it was to get me in for senior school. And I think dad had a inkling that I might like rugby. I'd never played rugby until I went to the school. And I did yeah. it. Took off and loved it and got into all sorts of sports and cricket and athletics and things like that mm-hmm. it's great how would you describe your rugby career um uh, i'm pleased with everything i did yeah you know i, I gave it a good crack at the whip and as a, as a schoolboy and playing for a captain scotland under 19 and then into the 21s and a little tiny bit with edinburgh rugby and then mostly with Watsonians. some people have said I, I maybe if i'd kept going i might have got a bit further I certainly fell out of love with it in my mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. Fell out of love with it and, and didn't play so much. Um, a lot of injuries throughout it, uh, but I'd say I'd say I'd, I'm pleased with what I did. Did you aspire to play for Scotland? When I played for when I played age group rugby, yeah, you want to you want to kick on when you're when you're representing Scotland under twenty one. I think you you desperately want. And in that leap, I wasn't a player that from twenty ones went straight into a full full contract or anything like that. I actually got, well, I was Scotland under 19 captain and then I didn't get picked for Scotland under 21 the first year, um, which some people might have said strange. Um, I was young enough strange. young enough to have two years in Scotland under 21, so it didn't bother me that much because I would still hopefully be getting the next year. But I played a good game at Stirling and I scored a hat-trick and then the, co- the, the manager came straight into the changing room in front of everyone after and said, Nash, training 21s on Monday. And I got in. So I did get in. I didn't get in the first squad round, but I kept playing well and, and, and eventually got in. So I got two years two years at that. Um, but the, the highlight, I, I captained Watsonians and we won the Scottish Cup in 2006 at Murrayfield and I scored a try. So for me, I'm delighted. That, that was a bit of a highlight for me that I, um, with my club, got to captain them. And I was thinking schoolboy, I was like, that doesn't stack up. But sorry, you're talking about club rugby. Club rugby, yeah, FPs. I got you. Yeah, FPs. Yeah, I got you. yeah, so so I got that chance and I yeah. scored a try at Murrayfield, so I've, I've got that. But, but yes. what's happened with me, I, I never made it pro, I never did all that sort of stuff, but 
like even talking about it here i've not played rugby in a long time now it's still it's everyone it's associated with me you know so yeah. i had a good crack at it and i enjoyed it did did you expect that you would play for scotland no i didn't no. never expected it no i never expected it and it got to that point where maybe you don't get picked and then when you feel yourself falling out of love with it and it, rugby it's a huge commitment mm-hmm. for an amateur sport when i was playing it um it's a huge commitment and then uh, at the time i started building East property from the age of 21 mm, wow. so i i had other things going on i, I had a, a business to build and through credit crunches and through all sorts of things our commitment had to go one way or the other um and i'm glad that i now have my business it's as it's 14 years old and a good staff a great team premises and things like that and um i'm still very well connected to the rugby world mm-hmm. which kind of comes full circle the property rugby club it's totally. kind of i've been able to sort of keep my foot in both camps yeah yeah who who is scotland's fullback during your era then what shouldn't i think of that what now as in no like when you were when, kid. when when you were say under 21s and it was like somebody was in that position that would prevent you from this, you know, kind of oh, being in that position. Um, Do you know who it might have been? I'm just trying to think. I can't remember. I can't remember. Chris Patterson's probably the start. Oh, he's he's probably a few years older than me. Yeah. Guys like Chris and but I mean, it, it's funny how things come full circle. That I mean, growing up, Gavin Hastings was the fullback, the lion, the captain. Mm-hmm. He was the, the 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 man. He now uses office space. You know, sits in my room <laughs> no, and sits, at, sits at a desk because he's best friends with my business partner. Oh, okay. you know, he's really close to. They're really close. They played at what Sonians in different eras to me. Okay. So I've known Gav and Scott and all these guys for many, many years and been so close to the rugby community mm-hmm. that um, it's 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 not surreal. He's now I can phone Gav and what's happening? Where are you? You go off and what we're we doing? Um, but back in the day you're watching this guy on TV and that probably that when you're that young you think I want to do what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and there'll be a lot of kids like that. Yeah. So just to have Gav come in and British Lions captain and things like that and see he's sitting in my office. It's cool. It's great. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um, I think we maybe touched on it when I was in your podcast and I see quite a lot of it and my perspective of this probably isn't necessarily everyone's. (laughs) I take a cynical view on this actually is like rugby players that finish their career or they exit that profession for whatever reason and then go into like the corporate world Hmm. and i see it with people that have maybe been in the military or whatever as well and it's because like they've been in a a sort of a perceived leadership role that that sort of translates into the business world Mm -hmm. and i'm like but i don't think it does (laughs) it just it doesn't because you're not like i get i get i can see the the sort of commonalities if that's what you want to call them but ultimately business is business and sport sport mm. so like to be successful in business you have to be good at business being good at rugby or being in a position of um, authority in some other field doesn't necessarily directly translate i, I feel you, with, you might say otherwise with, with, with the property rugby club a, a big core of that was trying to help players it's, it's, it's the unknown of i mean big money football is a whole different scale that i've, I've had bits and pieces of the uh, um, association with the football uh, players, mm-hmm. Hearts, Hibs, Celtic, Rangers, and things like that, with um, properties and all that sort of thing. But rugby, I'm so close to. And when these guys come out of rugby and they've been on good money, what are they going to do next? Mm-hmm. So I've spoken to a lot of them, and they still contact me that they're maybe still contracted, they're still playing for Scotland, but we're looking at the future. I would like to get into uh, to property. I want to be a surveyor, banking, whatever route it may be. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of transferable skills, and I mean. 
I didn't have a lot of property skills, but I had rugby. My first CV when I got a job at a company called the Property Edinburgh Property Manager, which is just rugby. I went to school, got a couple of hires, and I'm a rugby player. Mm-hmm. But the rugby got me the job because the guy was an ex Jumel um, pupil rugby player, and he's now a client of mine now. I look after stuff for him. It's all <laughs> come full circle. But um, rugby got me in the door. So I, I know what you mean. They maybe played rugby for 15 years and never set foot in an office and no yeah. business skills, but you can acquire business skills. A lot of business is people skills. A lot of businesses. If I go in to pitch to a new landlord, they'll know that my fees are going to be very similar to the company across the road. They'll know that my gas safety certificate, everything that we charge and all the bits and pieces, we need to do the same legislation and compliance checks that that company does. Mm-hmm. But if I walk in and they buy into me and the other guy was just no personality, was rude, he, he couldn't relate and I've got a better chance of getting the business. And, and rugby and sport brings out a lot of personality mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to talk about imagine imagine you're Gavin Hastings and you're a British Lions captain and you turn into becoming a property broker or a surveyor mm-hmm. and you walk in you're probably going to get a lot of your business because mm. you're yeah, people want to work with you people want to be around you people want to hear your stories mm-hmm. they're not if your fees are ridiculous and you're way off the ballpark with your, your knowledge but yeah. knowledge will come and it's like anything when these guys first played rugby they were probably crap but over time, they get better at tackling and then they never miss a tackle and they mm-hmm. become a Scotland great. A business will want these guys and if they've got their head screwed on and they've been well presented and they've been sort of, uh, they've just been sensible through their professional career, the business acumen will come. Yeah. Um, the, the, the balance that sport and the exposure sport can give you and the experiences it can give you, the worldly experiences can be big assets to uh, to companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, totally. I take that on board. I suppose where I think it is um, perhaps unfair is where it's to the detriment of somebody that might have filled that role otherwise, that they're getting it based on their rugby playing prowess mm-hmm. when you've got a guy who's worked in the field for 15 years mm-hmm. and there's a roles come up and it's perfect for him and then the rugby guy gets it based on like his... <laughs> perceived celebrity or whatever it is but again we're, we're we're maybe getting a little bit off of the the topic there anyway i can see your side as well <laughs> yeah uh who's your who's your favorite rugby player of all time um I, the guy he's not my position but richie mccaw is probably the one that a lot of people yeah. say me he was just the top of his game you never he, and again he never quit mm-hmm. there was no you think oh he's in he's done his ankle he's there next week Mm-hmm. You know, that guy, I think he's a record cap holder, World Cup, you name it, he's done it. Um, and he wanted to be under the radar. He had no real interest in being in the spotlight. He mm-hmm. let the standoffs do that. Um, he just worked. I've got something, I like people that work. On Instagram the other day, I was driving down Shandon to Gorgie mm-hmm. uh, to, I was inspecting flat, whatever I was doing, and I saw a kid at a lemonade stand. <laughs> it literally happened, and I love that. I mean, there's, there is so much of the, the world now that kids don't know they have to work. Because yeah. everything's given to them as entitlement. Mm. It's mm. out there and it's, it's going to happen. And we've got to protect our kids from that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from parenting. But this kid was out in the street. So I did my thing and I said, if he's there on the way back, I'm going to stop. And he was and I did. <laughs> so I took a photo of him, had a chat with him because he inspired me. Like I said, what are you, why are you here? He says, my bike's broken. And you know, I'm thinking, well, mum and dad aren't giving him the money. This is good. How, how are you getting on? He says, well, that's my second bottle of lemonade and you're taking the last glass. He's been out there crafting. It was 30 pence. You know, it's all he <laughs> wanted for each cup. Mm. I said, good luck, good on you. Um, then he put the work in. So when I look at guys like Richie McCaw, 
think it's pretty well established that he worked. Yeah. And probably had no right to get to where he did, mm. but he was a, no one could no one could outwork that guy. Mm-hmm. No one could out tackle him out. out well, you could outplay him because he wasn't the most skillful, mm-hmm. but for work rate, mm-hmm. he was a man. You know, and I know he's the famous one. And if I thought about it real deep, I could probably find somebody under the radar that was just a great grafter. You know, uh, but Richie McCaw, I mean, he's inspiring. And to this day, everyone asks the one, "What's he doing now?" You know, mm. but it's, this is maybe a bit deep. And you talked about death earlier. Um, instantly, Richie McCall went into flying helicopters. Okay, well, that's what his passion is: helicopters and flying and things like that. And then I think about guys like uh, like Steve Irwin. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, did his thing, got killed by a fish. You know, uh, Colin McRae. Mm-hmm. You know, race car mm-hmm. driver died in a helicopter. So many of these guys need to stay at the top. They need to keep pushing. They yeah. they can't just go and work in an office. Mm-hmm. They need to keep at a level. And you just hope that um, they stay safe. You yeah. know, they stay safe because th- th- they've done their thing. Yeah. They've been there, done it. And he's won the World Cups and he's, and he's, but he's still pushing it. Mm-hmm. And he'll be remembered forever for rugby, but you just hope something else doesn't just happen that, yeah, that is, is so bad. Schumacher, greatest yeah. driver of all time, skiing, maybe got him. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, they have to keep pushing the limits. Pushing yeah. the, they won't quit. As I keep saying, they just don't quit. I don't know how to switch off. Sometimes other things get them and, and that... So Richie McCaw's oh god Richie just stay safe yeah. you're a legend yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I want you to be around I want to hear you talk about rugby I want to hear you analyse rugby now mm-hmm. I want you to be in this world mm-hmm. um, that happens a lot yeah but, but I, I guess the only parallel in ordinary life is when somebody's maybe done a career and then they retire mm-hmm. it's just having that thing that you do and that you're you know it kind of gets you out out of bed and you, it's like it's habit or routine mm-hmm. and then when you stop doing it yeah, it's like there's just nothing. There's just nothing. Well, Chris Hoy, he's racing cars and doing twenty four yeah, races and all right. that, and been, you're on a bike and you're the best there ever was, and we all love you. Yeah, yeah. Um, just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. These guys are such legends, and we we love yeah. having them in our world. Just keep pushing the limits, but just be careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap up soon, mate. But I just want to because we haven't really touched. I mean, we've kind of in an oblique sense touched on business, but not sort of directly. But I mean, what what's the what, what's the future hold for for Ace Property? What where do you see your your business going? What's the focus? Um, a lot of restructure at the moment. Is that right? After fourteen years, and there's a lot of legislation change in lettings. Um, through leases have changed. There were a lot of uh, regulation on landlords and letting agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of restructuring, a lot of change software systems. It's a bit mundane and boring for this chat, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time and effort, and you've got to learn. And you've got to sometimes go back to scratch. But I think the thing is just to keep keep learning. And we make mistakes. Everyone does. You make mistakes, you you got to sort them out, you got to own up to them. Um, so with, with my business, I'm 14 years into it. I think, again, the podcasting has sort of changed a lot I do, but I feel 14 years into it, we're just getting started. Yeah. I really do, yeah. I'm 35 years old, I've got a lot of life still to live. Mm. But how I work that balance over the years of this, the kids grow and they need me at things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, I, I do enjoy, I've got a bit of flexibility. You know, the kids, when they've got their shows or they've got their sports days, I can be there. Mm-hmm. So I think having grown the business and got it to a stage where um, it, it can work, um, I'm, I'm there daily. I'm there often first in, last to go. But there's a bit of manoeuvrability, which which I do like. I do like that balance. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of my role, as I said earlier, it's new business, it's building the brand, it's maybe social media stuff um, in the background, but fighting fires. When, mm. you're, the, when you're at the, the front, you're not just 
sort of there leading it and what oh, this is my company you've got to be there when the, the shit hits the fan as well yeah um, and that can be a boiler at 12 o'clock on christmas eve and you got to go mm. you got to do it that's the industry i chose that's the business i built and that's that's the way i choose to do it so for for ace i think i think the future's bright i think edinburgh lettings and with universities the number of universities we've got in town um, the festival that's been affected this year with the changes of lets mm. but there's so much going on in edinburgh uh, I do push out to East Lothian, some bits and pieces in St Andrews and other sort of student towns and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, for Edinburgh and my, my business, um, I, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and it's, it's an easy thing to say. A lot of people do say, if you don't enjoy it, just quit or just sell it. Nah, mm. if I'm not enjoying it, I've got to change it. I've got to evolve it. So we've spent a lot of time building it. And where will it go? Where will it take me? Mm-hmm. Um, met some fantastic people. Um, and it's it's something that I'm proud of. You know, built it built it from one property you know so it's and it's still there today so keep going but it affords Absolutely. me the time to get into other things as well which i enjoy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. brilliant stuff nashi it's been a pleasure my friend thank you we so done. much for coming what on about, it's brilliant. On, come on what about aliens oh geez okay uh, do I believe in the existence of aliens? Yes, absolutely. But, I don't see how. But you this can. is coming from Joe Rogan and Bob Lazar. Have you heard that interview? I've not. No. Yeah. Well, he he no. says he worked at um, I mean, seen clips of it, Area Fifty One, and he yeah. worked on an alien spacecraft, and yeah, got yeah. nine of them, and that's all out there on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I was like, <laughs> that's cool. I want there to be something. I just think we'd have found a lot more by now. Oh really? Well, With our limited technology, I mean, we 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 can barely do like anything. No, I know, but we surely <laughs> one would have crashed in like in a, in Princess Street by now or something, <laughs> so, some somewhere populated. If, one would have crashed. If there, if if aliens are sophisticated enough to be able to fly from wherever it is in this infinite universe to get to us, they, they're probably in control of whether they're crash landing or not. You consider the you the, the potential for like wormholes in the universe, mm-hmm. so you can basically just flex the whole thing and go like, you know, through a tiny little, <laughs> rather than going actually literally across the whole distance of it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's, like in my mind, there's no question whatsoever that they exist. They just do. The fact that we might be the only intelligent life form in the entire universe is actually just beyond absurd. It's impossible. But, not, but, but how have we not found them? Well, as I say, like our capabilities are so limited. What's the furthest we've been? Like, I mean, we flew a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but like a non-manned spacecraft to Mars, um, and you know, we we've been to the moon, like allegedly, because there's still questions. That, well, yeah, of course, there's, there's naturally there's questions that have arose from that. Um, I've watched like so many conspiracy things on Netflix and whatnot. I love it. I, love don't it. I don't know the answers. Yeah. I'd love it. It's nice to think, I and mean, I want them. I want aliens to be out there. I want Bigfoot to be real, and I want Nessie to be swimming about. But Nessie's not happening. It's not. No, no. We would have found not. it by now. Yeah, that's that's a, big, that's a no. That's Bigfoot a no for me. Nah, you'd have found um, something. But I like the thought that there is something. I'm less conclusive on that. Actually, I would say um, Nessie. I don't think so. Yeah, I would say no for Nessie. Bigfoot, not hundred percent on. Why? Someone would have found the body by now. And where? Is there tons of them? Himalayas, American forest, wilderness. I know. Nah. Come on. Just thinking like what the the probability of something living in water versus out of water. In my head it just makes more sense that it's, you would survive on land better than if you were in water. I think I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe. I want them to all be there. Yeah, I do. yeah, totally. However, I just think uh, here's here's a big one though. Nine mm-hmm. uh, eleven. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, it's, it, well, it's just, I, I don't know where to go with that one. I, that's horrific. There's, but there's a lot of uncertainties in that. There's a lot of things in these documentaries that you watch and you think, really? Is that actually what happened? Mm. When the firemen, like, qualified guys are saying there was explosions going off around us as we stood in the lobby. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't an airplane. No, so I, no. I don't know about that one, but whatever happened, however, it, thousands lost their lives and it's horrific. You know, and it's it's terrifying yeah. that these things can happen and they can rock and change the world like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, the conspiracy theory stuff, I, I'm I'm big on it. The guy Jesse Ventura, you know him, Jesse Ventura, Je- Jesse, absolutely. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse Ventura, he's big on the conspiracy theories and things <laughs> yeah, like that. And, um, I like hearing it all. I like getting all the info. Um, I like to try and piece it together. I think I'm like everybody. You ask earlier on how how I chill out and how I do bits and pieces. I'm like everybody. I do get lost in YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. going to bed sometimes you have the phone on and you'll just start watching things and you'll start gathering information <laughs> of aliens and spacecrafts yeah, yeah. and, and uh, the best street knockouts and all sorts of things as you dive and get lost in YouTube. It happens, doesn't it? Yeah. People will deny it. People, no, I'm not into that. Are you watching that nonsense? Everyone does it. It's <laughs> it's there, you know. Uh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we could do a whole episode on conspiracy theories. And, Probably. And the like. Yeah, yeah. Um, more than happy. But this chat's been awesome, man. Thank I, you very much for having oh, me. It's a I pleasure. Really appreciate I've, it. I've loved it. It's been really, really good. Cool. Do it again sometime. 100%, my friend. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs>